Good morning, good news. How is everybody? How many people your allergies are acting up? Raise your hand. Wow. And uh, thank goodness it's spring until Wednesday or Thursday and it snows. Welcome to Nebraska, right? Uh, if you would stand, let's, uh, let's read scripture this morning. We are going to be reading from Luke twenty-two thirty-nine through 62. You guys be ready up there. I'm going to read quickly. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to his to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked them, get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. While he was still speaking, a crowd came up and the man who called, who was called Judas, one of the 12 was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the son of man with a kiss? When Jesus followers saw that, saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard and the elders who had come for him, am I leading a rebellion that you have come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts and did not lay a hand on me. And you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour when darkness reigns. Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you are also one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your kindness and your goodness and your word toward us, God. I pray that you would speak directly to our hearts. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Speak to us, convict us, open our eyes, bring us revelation, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody may be seated. I wanted just to take a moment to thank everyone who gave us cards and encouraged us in this transition season uh, to lead pastor. We are grateful for that. In May, we will have kind of a pull up the stool and, and, and talk uh, kind of discussion. I just want to give you a little bit of background, um, possibly direction we're headed. It will be very general right now, but we just want to let you in on what God has been saying and, and what we are thinking. Um, and then we're going to keep our commitment to the schedule that we have had. So we're going to finish Luke, of course. Uh, we've got guest speakers and ministers and missionaries who will be coming in uh, through June, and we're going to hold to that as well. So anything new will probably begin in July, but I just want to let you guys know that um, and, and kind of bring you into that as well. Um, we're going to kind of recap last week, and this is such a, a difficult, it's not a difficult subject to preach. It is, it is difficult 
to, to help people understand how big this moment is in scripture. We talk about the cross when we talk about everything that Jesus goes through. This is, this is the culmination of everything. This, this is what before the foundations of the world, God had planned. This is when, when Jesus begins to bleed in the garden all the way through resurrection. This is an incredible, incredible moment. And I always feel underprepared and under, uh, I just don't feel like I can do a good enough job of preaching this because this is everything. This is the highlight of heaven. This is the highlight of eternity. This is God's perfect plan coming to fruition. And so, uh, last week, pastor drew had, had talked about Passover, you know, he, uh, Jesus had, had led the disciples in taking of communion. And we're going to do that, uh, a, a lot during this season, just as a remembrance of Jesus. But when they were taking it, he was saying, do this in remembrance of me. And they immediately connected it back to when Israel was under the bondage of Egypt. And so God led them out, right? Led them out of bondage, led them out from oppression so that they would come and worship him. And in, in my mind, I know the disciples must be thinking, is this the point where God leads us out? Freedom from Rome, freedom from the oppression of slavery. Is this the moment? But they also understand that there's, there's a different dynamic that's taking place right now. Jesus, they sense that he is underneath uh, stress and duress. And they're beginning to pick up on that. When Jesus steps into the Garden of Gethsemane, the, the Geth, Gethsemane actually means, um, it actually means crushing or it, it, it's, it's the, the place where uh, the, the, the picture of incredible Pressing, crushing. And so he is stepping into a place that he is very familiar with. He's going to pray and he visited there often. But they can sense that something is different. How many know we all recognize there's a, a dynamic at play when somebody is under stress? Men, you walk into the house and you hear the cupboard shut a strange way. Wait a minute. What was that? I feel something different happening in the home, right? If somebody's with me, I go, this is your time to get out. Go hurry. There's, there's something different. There's a dynamic at play and it, they're, they're, they're beginning to feel the weight that Jesus is under. It says that they, they, uh, when Jesus went back to wake them up, they were under, they were asleep because of sorrow. They're beginning to feel the weight and the stress and the fear and it's palpable. I remember when uh, I was in elementary school and my mom showed up to pick, to pick me up and uh, I got into the car and there was something different. I don't know if it was her mannerisms. I'm not sure what it was, but I asked her what's wrong and she began to cry. My grandfather had had a heart attack and I didn't, she hadn't said anything to me, but I was able to recognize that there was something different and they're beginning to notice that something is about to happen. We're going to go back to Luke uh, 22, 40 through 44. It says, when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn for, from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him and being in agony. 
Sometimes we just read through these words. And being in agony. He prayed more earnestly. How many of you guys, when you're in agony, that you don't pray? Some of us medicate. Some of us want to get away. Some of us want to watch TV. Jesus, in this time, in this place, in agony, he prays earnestly. It's a great picture. And then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. This is uh, hematidrosis. It's uh, where you're, you're sweating blood. And it is seen, uh, I forgot, one of the great artists, I can't remember if it, I think it was Da Vinci, said that he noticed that when soldiers, some soldiers were going into battle because of the, the stress, they began to sweat blood. Uh, it's also seen in, in places where execution is about to take place. The, the stress that is on the human frame, uh, it begins to change the dynamics taking place. Jesus is experiencing this. And if I'm being really, really honest, I need to see this. I need to see that Jesus in his, is, in his humanity is experiencing stress. That we don't have a God that doesn't understand sometimes what we go through. But Jesus went through it. So much greater than we'll ever know. But at least I know that in my stress, I have a Savior that has experienced stress. Matthew 26, 38 says, then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. Jesus knew what was going to happen to him physically. He is about to experience horrific suffering from a physical standpoint. Uh, they actually had to come up with a word to explain the cross. Um, I, in Latin, it's uh, cruciate. It actually... We, it's, it's a root word and it's where we get our word excruciating. So he is about to experience something that is excruciating physically. But not just that. The mental anguish. He would take on the sin of the world. He would experience every vile act and thought and deed and the fruit of it. All of it had to be placed on him in a moment's time. He would also uh, experience something spiritually. He would experience rejection from his father. God would pull back and allow the full weight. The, the Bible says that Jesus is, our, is the propitiation, the wrath quencher. So he's about everything that's ever going to take place. Is about uh, that, that sin related is about to be put on Jesus. But there's also a spiritual part of the garden. And this is what... God spoke to me very clearly, and, and that's why I really want to honor this moment about his blood being shed. Because if you look from the very beginning when he begins to bleed, it is taking, uh, it is taking on the sin of humanity, and it is providing an atonement for sin, but also this overcoming nature for humanity. So from the very beginning in the garden all the way to his death on the cross, his blood is shed for everything. Nothing is wasted. So it's my personal belief is that the blood of Jesus was shed first in the garden for the anguish of humanity. Sexual issues, racial issues, abuse issues, pain, suffering, disillusionment, disappointment, bitterness... 
The worst of humanity and the worst of humanity's experiences are being poured on Jesus. The sin and sorrow of the world. If, if God were just to take on my sin, it would have been bad. But can you imagine the sin of the world? And he's taking that on. He's also experiencing isolation, rejection, fear, abandonment. And depression. And the reason why I say this is because there's people in this room that you have experienced this. And you wonder if God is near. If you wonder if God understands. And he does. The Bible says he's a high priest that has experienced what we have. And I need a God who has gone through something that I've gone through. Every other religion in the world says be good enough. Christianity is the only the religion said you'll never be good enough. So we have provided an atonement through a savior. Jesus begins to say, please take this cup. Father, please take this cup. Sweating. Anguish, please take this cup. And I, I know that he's thinking back to Genesis 22. So when God instituted this covenant with Abraham, he said, I, I'm responsible for making this covenant come to pass. And so there was a time where he tested this covenant and he said, Abraham, I need you to go sacrifice your son, Isaac, your promise that you waited 25 years for. And you had in your old age, I want you to go sacrifice him. So he did. He, he went up the mountain and, and, and laid Isaac down and was about to make the sacrifice and God stopped him. And so you don't have to do that. That's not your responsibility. And he provided a ram in the thicket to be sacrificed. And I know Jesus is thinking, is that going to happen here? Are you going to provide another way or am I the lamb of God? Am I going to die? He says, nevertheless, your will be done. So how many times have you guys prayed as, as you've looked at your life or you've looked at what you've gone through or you've looked at your hopes and dreams or you've looked at your sin issues, you've looked at the dynamics of your family, all of those things, and you begin to ask questions like this. How many times have we prayed, God, don't let this happen. Don't let this be true. God, you know what they did to me. I didn't know it would be this way. I didn't know my sin would hurt so many other people. I didn't know they would leave. I didn't know this would hurt so bad. I didn't know, God, you would ask me to. Nevertheless, let your will be done. Jesus is beginning to pray and bleed over anguish and regret and sorrow. And here's the thing. As a pastor, I can't tell you how many horrible stories I've heard. I wanted to leave ministry at a time one time because it was so overwhelming what people go through. We live in a fallen world. We're fallen individuals. Christianity's messy, y'all. But there has to be a place where we're able to share it. And the church comes alongside and with the help of God, we help people walk through it. Thank you for that one person that clapped. You're my favorite. So here's what the Lord said. Um, as I was praying for this, because I was actually going to take it in a different direction. And I was praying, and the Lord in my spirit said, blood speaks. Blood speaks. And I knew, you know, I, in, in like five minutes, there were all these thoughts that were coming, making connections. And if you look in, in Genesis, Cain and Abel, right? 
Cain kills Abel out of jealousy. And, uh, and, and God says, Abel's blood cries out to me from the ground. Blood speaks. Um, I, years ago, I played baseball in college and my sophomore year, uh, I was playing in, uh, in a college in South Alabama and it is hot in Alabama. It is humid in Alabama. And it, this was August. So, uh, we practiced 12 hours a day. So the first, first day we practiced 12 hours. Well, toward the end of that day, um, I, I was beginning to cramp a little bit. And I remember going in and sitting in a restaurant and the air condition is on and I'm just sweating profusely. And uh, so I, I go back to my room and I'm sick. And I, I, I go into the bathroom and I throw up. And when I do, all the muscles in my body cramp. And so they grab me and... Well, they first ran out of the room because they thought I was dying. And then they, they, they grabbed me and pulled me and threw me on the bed and began to rub my muscles until the, the cramps left. Um, so the next day, practice again. And there was, we had like 12 or 17 hitting stations. Tees and, and cage and live batting and all this stuff. And so uh, toward the end or about the middle of that day, um, I'm running out of energy. I am sweating. Um, and I, I'm beginning to cramp really bad and then I'm beginning to throw up. So what would happen is we'd go to the, the, the cage and we, we would hit, or we would go to these stations. Well, eventually I'm beginning to cramp and I'm laying on my back and I'm throwing up and then they would pick me up and we would go to the next station. Well, something's wrong y'all. That's, that's the way that works. I'm not the smartest guy, but I, I kind of did eventually figure that out. Well, um, so the trainer said, we need to take you to the, the ER. And so I get into the ER and I just, it, they would give me an ice cube and I'd throw it up. Uh, well, my kidneys had failed. And so they, they put me in the hospital or, you know, in, and, uh, they drugged me up and I can remember yelling at the nurse one time, God bless you nurses. Cause I was yelling, I was cramping so bad. And I was like, uh, don't leave me, you know, rub, rub these cramps out. And I was yelling at her cause I was just, everything was cramping. And, um, but sometime in the night, it was dark in the room and it was like a ghostly shadow appeared and she kind of went, you have O negative blood. Don't ever let anybody give you anything but O negative blood or you'll die. Thank you, weird nurse, for your <laughs> comfort. So what's really interesting, because blood speaks, right? So um, I'm married. My wife is O negative, And my kids now are O negative. So it's just a, a really interesting thing. O negative people are universal donors, but they, they can only have O negative. So in, anyway, it was just an interesting thing. And so what blood speaks, DNA. DNA talks about your past. Right. So now people are beginning to discover people who have been in prison for 30 or 40 years. They're getting off because of DNA. They didn't actually commit the crime. Those who have been hiding for 30 years are discovered and they're going to jail and convicted because of DNA. Your, D or your DNA, your blood can tell you about your present. How many of you hate needles? Right. But if they need a blood draw on you to find out what's going on in your body, they take your blood and they'll test it and they'll be able to find out what's happening in your body right now. DNA can speak to your future. I had uh, a doctor who had said 
Jason, if, if you'll let me, I can do a test and, and let you know what, what, what mechanisms you have in your body and predisposition, uh, predispositions that you have in moving forward for you and your family. It was just a really interesting thing. The blood is symbolic of life. Leviticus 17, 14 says, for the life of every creature is its blood. Its blood is its life. What I find really interesting, we have blood drives, right? Because we understand blood is life. Uh, I also love how the Bible is way ahead of its time. Where, do you know that you can have an oxygen mask on your face, but if you don't have any blood to carry your oxygen, you're going to die. Your blood carries nutrients. It carries oxygen to your organs and, and, and to your extremities. Without the blood, you're dead. And the Bible knew this. Jesus is going through incredible anguish and agony. And there's a time where he goes... It's about to happen. They're here. And so he steps out of the garden and Judas is there. So he steps out of anguish into betrayal. And now we go to Judas and Peter. I'm really, I, I, I love walking around people's lives. I love watching people in general. That sounds weird, but I, I actually love watching the holistic nature of, uh, of lives as they unfold. And, and I love studying. So Judas and, and Peter are really interesting stories to me. But both of them are betrayers. Judas betrays because he sells Jesus out. Peter's a betrayer because he walks away out of fear and denies him. So let's, let's cover for just a moment Judas. Judas is such an interesting character to me. Character to me. He was the money keeper. And it was said that he would take money from his own. So he would steal he was a zealot. So zealots in that time believed that they, they, they wanted uh, the Messiah to come to overthrow Rome. But they would also try to manipulate through prophecy to try to make things happen. So you see Judas possibly, maybe in his motivation, was to say, well, if I sell Jesus out, maybe he'll now kick in the gear and overthrow Rome. And then when he finds out that that's not Jesus' plan, he has regret. There's a point in time where this uh, Mary uh, anoints Jesus with her, this perfume, getting him ready for burial. And he says that perfume could have been sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor. Of course, he would have taken for himself some of it. I think, too, he was not immediately seen as the one who would betray Jesus. When, when Jesus said, one of you will betray me, they all kind of looked at each other. So it wasn't like Judas stood out as a betrayer. Jesus knew that, that Judas would betray him. Judas had remorse, Matthew 27, but he kills himself because of what he has done. He had remorse without repentance. How many of you have said, man, I'm really sorry, but you didn't change? A lot of us. And many people have sold Jesus out for much less than 30 pieces of silver. Somewhere, Judas became disillusioned when Jesus did not give him the life that he wanted. And this is the danger in Christianity is that we make our Christian walk about us and not about him. 
Because there are people who went, walked away, said, well, Jesus didn't heal me. Didn't give me the person that I was supposed to marry. All this kind of stuff. And we get to Peter. Verses 54 through 62. Peter is be- beginning to be recognized by others that, in saying that, you know, you're, you were with Jesus and he denies Jesus three times. Peter's an interesting guy as well. He, Peter left everything to follow Jesus. He was one of the three closest to Jesus. Peter had fought to defend Jesus and cut off the ear of the, of the servant to the high priest. And here's something 17 years ago. I'll never forget this. I was a young adult pastor in Pensacola and we were reading through this scripture and something had come up in our ministry. And I was praying through this and this is what Jesus told me. And I, I've never forgotten it. That when you misuse the word, you cut off the hearing of the people that you're speaking to. But when you present Jesus, they'll listen. And I've never forgotten it because I see people all the time trying to manipulate people by using the word and you cut off their hearing. Peter is zeal without wisdom. He's rash in decision making. He's loud and bombastic. You hear him before you see him. You know anybody like that? You hear them before they walk in the room. But he's also the the first person to recognize the spiritual things of God. I love that. Um, Jesus, uh, uh, Peter was one of two people who actually walked on water. Where's Josh? You know you'd have a tattoo if you walked on water, right? I would have a full body tattoo if I walked on water. Nobody would even be able to talk to me. I'd be so prideful. Does anybody else know who else walked on water? Jesus? Yes, it was Jesus. (laughs) He was uh, the influential one among the disciples. He was a leader. He was a hard worker. He was a fisherman. So he was used to hard work. And I really honestly believe Peter's betrayal crushed him. I think there's a lot of Christians in this room... That you feel like your failures are not living up to what you think God wanted has crushed you in some way. Peter denied Jesus for any number of reasons. Could have been fear. Um, maybe what he, he knew and hoped for was, was dying. His savior was arrested. And reality is hitting home. And if I'm being honest, all of us in this room would have done the same. You know, we can't look down on Peter. Can't look down on Judas. I'm just telling you. What is in humanity, there is nothing redeemable outside of Jesus. So Jesus experiences betrayal over money and nationalism on this side. And fear and saving one's own skin on this side. And this to me is the bookends of humanity. If we're not careful, our Christian walk. We can sell Jesus out and we can hide from him. I want to go back to his blood. I don't know that I can communicate this this well enough. You have to understand that everything that we go through has been dealt with through the blood of Jesus and can help you through by the blood of Jesus. 
There's, there's not one thing that you go through that hasn't been covered. There's not one thing that, that hasn't been forgiven when you ask. There's not one thing that Jesus didn't take care of. And so this is so much more than forgiveness, though. Forgiveness is amazing, but God intended it to be for so much more. This is Jesus inaugurating this new kingdom. This new way of living, this new way of thinking, this new way of acting by his blood. And it was the overthrow of sin and bondage and death. And it was the transition of man hoping to one day escape to actually bringing God's will to the earth. You guys, church, we're part of that. We have a role and a responsibility that the Bible says uh, in beginning of Luke 22, Jesus told his disciples, I have bestow upon you a new kingdom. I appoint you to a new kingdom. My father appointed me to it. Now I appoint you to it. And he's appointed us to it. There's this new thing that God wants to do in and through us. In Exodus, God was bringing out a people out of bondage, out of slavery. Jesus, and that was a physical thing. Jesus is bringing people out of bondage and out of slavery from sin. And this is so hugely important because most of us struggle in our relationship with God because of the things that we do wrong. And he's wanting to bestow this relationship that's not based on your performance. It's based on what Jesus has done. We want to try to, to, to provide opportunity throughout the week for you guys to take scripture and apply it. You're going to hear us talk about this more and more. We're not ready for it yet. But I just put together eight verses um, that I want you to meditate on this week. To think about the blood. To pray through to, you know, when you feel like you're condemned because of sin, it's going to talk about it. I just want you to begin to think through and spend time with the Lord to know what his sacrifice was to us. If you put up Luke twenty two twenty, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do five verses now. But you can go to our website and they will be on there. This is in the same way after the supper, he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Ephesians 1, 7, in him we have redemption through his blood. Blood, that is being purchased back. He, he bought us back with his blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Romans 5, 9, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Justified is a legal term. It means that when you stand before God... And you have been forgiven by Jesus. He demands that now you are in right standing. That anything you have ever done is less than the blood of Jesus. Some of you guys get nervous when we talk about this. This doesn't mean that you just keep sinning. The goal is for you to grow up into maturity and to be free from sin. But you're, you're never going to be able to get it together enough to do it on your own. That's why you have an advocate in Jesus. It is good. It's really good. <laughs> Hebrews ten nineteen says this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, the most holy place is his presence. 
we have confidence to come before God, not because we've been good that week, but because of Jesus. Revelation 12, 11 says this. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. That's what Jesus did by the word of their testimony, what we know about him. And they did not love their lives to the death. This is the stumbling block for a lot of times the American church. We still love ourselves so much. We love that Jesus died. We love what we know about him, but we really won't give him everything. And the new kingdom demands we give our lives to him. I just, I want to tell you that his blood speaks to your anguish. It speaks to your sin and it speaks to your sorrow. He was willing to shed everything that he, he was and everything that he had for you. There are two things that I want us to close with today. There are people in this room, you've never given your life to Jesus. Not as Lord and Savior. You've come to church. It's traditional. It's religion. It's what you're supposed to do. But you've never given him the right of lordship. This morning is a great opportunity to deal with that. And then there's, there's, there's other people in this room that you're like Judas. You've actually said, well, Jesus didn't give me what I wanted. And now you're just kind of going through the motions. But you're trying to figure out another way. And then on the other side, Peter, you're, you're the person who, man, I keep messing up. I've, I, I've got to follow him from a distance now because of all the things that I've done wrong. Jesus is so good. It doesn't have to be that way. He's calling you into relationship and an intimate relationship that you can follow him. The second thing is there are people in here that you've experienced agony in your life. Disappointment, depression, shame. And I felt very specifically, he said, he bled for the anguish others can't see. For the things that you carry that nobody else knows. And the second thing, he bled for the things others can't handle. Jesus had to deal with the stuff alone. But he did it so that you would never have to be alone in yours. So in just a moment, here's what we're going to do. If you know you need to give your life to Christ, you're going to come to this middle section right here. We're going to have people that are going to pray for you. They're going to give you information. We want to follow up with you. And then the people who have had moments of anguish, you're going through anguish right now. We're going to open it up on the sides. And listen to me. The people that I want to minister, prayer team can come forward. But I want the people who have actually gone through anguish that God saw them through. That's who's going to come up and minister. Because the church has to be the church. God redeems our pain. He redeems our loss. He redeems our struggle. And that's part of the way that we minister then. What we've gone through, what we've discovered, now we give away. Okay? I'm going to ask you to stand. Father, thank you that you're so good that you would give your son, offer your son as, a, as the perfect sacrifice, God. That he would shed his blood for everything we've ever experienced, God. But right now, the most important thing is that we are in right relationship with you. I pray, God, for the men and women in this room that have never given their hearts to Jesus, God, that you would speak to them and lead them in this moment. For those that have walked away, for those that are following at a distance, I pray, God, that today would be a new day and they would follow you, God. Trust in the blood of Jesus. Trust in the sacrifice that that's enough. And then for those that are in anguish, God, you're going to see them through. You're going to be near. You're going to bring comfort. You're going to be God.
to them. In Jesus' name. So if you've never given your heart to Christ, if you've never given your, your heart to Christ, I want you to come right here, right now. No eyes closed. I'm going to ask you to step out. If you need to give your life to Jesus right now, I'm going to ask you to come down. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If there are those in this room, you know that you've been following God or following Jesus at a distance. Whether it's condemnation, whether you're disappointed by God and now you're doing the religious thing and you show up, but you've lost intimacy with him. We want you to come down to the front as well. And we're going to pray for you. For the rest of you, if you're walking through anguish in this season, I want you to come down front. And I want you to allow somebody to pray with you. And when you see these people come down through the aisles, if you've walked through anguish and God has seen you through, I want you to come and lay your hand on their backs. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for what you're going to do. Thank you, God, that you care about every thought, every pain, every issue, God. You care about it all. And I pray, God, today would be the beginning of a new day. Some for salvation, some for freedom, some because they're going to have family, some for those that are going to comfort. But, God, we pray that by your blood, there is nothing greater that's ever been done. That, God, they find freedom and comfort and breakthrough in that. We pray that you would move mightily in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to remain for just a minute. If that's you, I need you to come forward right now. Don't wait. Allow the church to minister to you. Don't carry these things alone. Come on, step out. Step out. Church, just continue to pray. Continue to pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we commit to you the rest of this this day and this week. We pray, God, that we draw near, that we appreciate, we honor the blood of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus, that you would be willing to offer your best. And it's enough. It's enough for all that we encounter in this life, God. We bless you. We thank you. And God, we honor you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Love you guys. God bless you. Allow God to do his work.